Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number four. That's Eric with a K, Marshall with two L's, and you can find show notes for this at ericmarshall.net slash wet. You can find me at emarsh on Twitter, and uh, you can find the webcast at wet podcast on Twitter. Today I'm talking to the guys from the self-publishing podcast. It's Johnny B. Truant, Sean Platt, and David Wright. And... You know, I want to I want to confess something here. I guess this is the fourth interview I did. Uh, I've done for this for this podcast, and I feel like it's it's different from the other podcasts I have. I have this uh, other podcast that's a wrap that some of you might be familiar with. It's a film podcast I do with with two friends, and we're in uh, twenty seven episodes or so, and it's a lot of fun. And it's with guys that I know, and it's it's completely, really just easy to do in a lot of ways because we're just talking about things that we talk about anyway. And uh, that's been great. And I thought that would prepare me pretty well to do this podcast. And it has in some respects. It's uh, it's taught me how to do audio editing. It's taught me how to speak into a microphone, more or less, I guess. Uh, things like that. Uh, but one thing I didn't anticipate going into this is that you know, I'm essentially talking to strangers here on this podcast for the most part. So, um, for example, uh, Audrey Waters in episode number one, I'd met her once. I'd met her at a um, at an unconference called uh, Great Lakes That Camp in Lansing, Michigan at Michigan State. And we had a great conversation that day. Uh, and I've been following her on social media and, you know, interacting with her from time to time there. Uh, for the last couple of years, but you know, beyond that, I had never really sat down and spoken to her. Paul Levinson, I had never spoken to before that interview. Uh, I had a little bit of uh, interaction with him about um, some of his novels on Kboards and on Twitter. And Howard Rheingold, uh, I have never talked. I have never talked to either. I've never spoken to him. And uh, yeah, although I had had some Twitter interaction with him based on a blog I used to do, and. I'll have to admit, I was nervous uh, for all three of those. <laughs> you know, I, before I hit play or you know connected with them on Skype or Google Hangouts, I was I was nervous uh, during these. And you might be able to be able to tell when you look back um, on, on some of those. You know, I do edit out some of my nervous ums and uhs and, and nervous laughter a little bit, but not really. Really, you're getting pretty much pretty much how it went. Um, so when these guys with the self-publishing podcast, uh, I listen to their podcast every week. They're, they've got 120 some episodes I've listened to. I think all of them every Wednesday I listen to them and I feel like I, I know them to an extent. I know their personalities pretty well. And so I invited each of them separately. I sent a separate email to each of them, but told them that I was inviting the other ones as well thinking there's no way I would get all three of them, maybe one, maybe each of them on three separate episodes, uh, maybe two of them at a time and one separately, because I know they're busy. They have busy schedules and and they've got their own things going on. So I just left it up to them to figure out. But I had prepared a little bit uh, for each of them, you know, as if I were going to, to interview them one at a time. Well, it turns out emails started flying back and forth and they all agreed to come on at the same time. Which is great. I'm really glad they did, and I'm really grateful to them for doing so. It was, uh, it was a really, it's a really great interview. Uh, but it left me with the dilemma of, okay, so now I've got three people instead of just one, and I, I didn't really want it to be another self-publishing podcast, I guess, um, because I know that they've got a great rapport together. And so I wanted to figure out how to ask some questions that maybe maybe you wouldn't hear on the self-publishing podcast. Maybe, you know, some things that, that might be a little unique. Um, I'm not sure that I succeeded. 
<laughs> but that's okay. I know when they first jumped on to Google Hangouts, they just started talking about, uh, Sean started talking to Dave about Dexter, you know, and they were talking, <laughs> they just kind of jumped in because, you know, as old friends, I suppose. And uh, I hit record right away, which was confusing to everybody um, for a minute until I told them I was going to be editing the thing. Um, and one thing that I, I think might have might be a little different if you listen to the self-publishing podcast is on their podcast, they swear like crazy. And they, uh, they're they very often, they go on very long tangents sometimes and and, you know, it's, it's their podcast. They can do what they want, obviously. And I listen to it every week. So obviously I like it, you know, but I told them at the beginning they had to keep it clean that I was requesting that they keep it clean because this is a clean podcast. I'm trying to get the clean tag on iTunes so people can, um, as I always say, listen in their cars with their kids. Okay. And so that might have changed it a little bit, but they were great. They were really cool about doing that. Uh, and it was, it ended up being a really, really good conversation. But that said, although I felt like, you know, I feel like I know them because I hear them every week. I was still nervous as heck, uh, you know, just like I was for the first three podcasts. And, uh, but I feel like I eased into it pretty well. Uh, towards the end a lot of laughter in this one uh it's it's really great i should give you a little bit of more background on them because we do kind of jump into the podcast uh kind of in medias res um it's three guys uh johnny b truant sean platt david wright they co-host the self-publishing podcast uh they also co i guess own a uh publishing company called sterling and stone which has separate imprints for different types of writing uh two of them are they're Johnny and Sean co-write together. Sean and Dave also co-write together in various genres, um, kind of dark thriller types of things uh, for Sean and Dave and all kinds of stuff, science fiction with Johnny and Sean. And they have a something called Unicorn Western, which is exactly what it sounds like um, and, uh, and other things. So they're writing across all kinds of different genres and they do all kinds of interesting um, experiments. And they have the self-publishing podcast and another podcast called Better Off Undead, which is basically them just goofing around for, for an hour or more. Um, and, and so that's basically who these guys are. Uh, the reason I'm giving you this intro is because, like I said, we jump in kind of in the middle. And um, yeah, so uh, again, I'm really glad that they came on. I'm, I'm glad I got to interview them. It was great. I've actually, we actually recorded this in... Um, it must have been the beginning of August, middle of August, and I'm releasing this on September 26th, and I'm recording this today on September 25th, and I have since met Sean and Johnny uh, at a conference, an author marketing live event uh, put on by Jim Kukral in Cleveland, Ohio. So between recording this and actually releasing it, I have met two of the guys, and they're very nice. They're very good speakers as well, if you get a chance to uh, to, to hear them. They, they're full of really interesting experience and information and they're and they're, and they're good speakers so uh so i recommend that again you can find the show notes uh where i will link to sterling and stone and some of their novels and some of the things that get mentioned at ericmarshall.net slash wet this is episode number four you can find me on twitter at emarsh and I'll, I'll put the contact information for the guys on the on the show notes like i said so i hope you enjoy thanks for listening to the wet podcast writing education and technology Let's start now, although I could put that in. Maybe I'll that in and put it in later, you know? But um, just so that people know who's who, whose voices are whose, right? Oh. You guys ever listen to w WTF, Mark Maron's WTF? Yes. You know how he just kind of starts and, like, the guest doesn't know that he started? Yes. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm doing to you guys. All right. That's what All I'm right. in, inadvertently right. doing to you guys. I don't that's mean to, actually, but that's what I'm doing. So, Okay. Yeah, I, too. I, am, too. So. I am David Wright. I am uh, a cartoonist and writer, uh, part of Collective Inkwell. Uh, we wrote uh, Yesterday's Gone, our best-selling post-apocalyptic series, and we have six series in total. 
and uh, started self-publishing podcasts almost two years ago now with uh, Johnny and Sean. And uh, it's been a fun ride ever since. <laughs> That's my intro. <laughs> That's good. You go, Sean. Um, <clears throat> I'm Sean Platt. Um, I write with both Dave and Johnny. Um, so I'm, I'm the meat of the man sandwich here. Wow. <laughs> there goes that clean tag. No, see, that's what, you don't see what I'm doing. There's nothing dirty there. You're making it dirty. And if that's you at just, home are making it dirty, you're complicit. That was right. a, that was a clean means man sandwich. Um, I write with both of these guys. I write, uh, sci-fi and horror with Dave at the inkwell. Um, I write a lot of stuff with Johnny over at Roman Sands and, um, we together we do the self publishing podcast and we run Sterling and Stone, which has a lot of different types of um, stories. I'm Johnny Bichurant. I'm Sean's mistress. If uh, <laughs> Dave is Sean's wife, and uh, I let him do all the stuff that Dave won't let him do. So um, D- Dave and Sean have uh, at least what a year, year and a half head start on me in actual um, digital self publishing, indie publishing. Uh, but I wanted to hop on that gravy train right away when I talked to Sean for my old blog and said, you can make a living with fiction? I want some of that. <laughs> so I wrote uh, the Fat Vampire series on my own after self-publishing something that I had written in 99 and then teamed up with Sean to write everything since, but we are all over the map. Um, we have hit sci-fi. Uh, we have not really hit horror. I guess we've kind of hit it, uh, but we definitely hit everything else, everything that uh, that uh, that... That Dave doesn't want, I will take. I'll take it. <laughs> sounds sounds good. You know, I I, uh, I first heard of you guys probably about I think it was the beginning of last summer, so it's been a little over a year now. And at the time, I found the self publishing podcast. I was driving around a lot, and I had a lot of time to listen, so I listened to a lot of the, all the back stuff. At the time, Johnny, you had the Bialy Pimp, so that was it. <laughs> and you were routinely kind of saying to these guys, it's crazy how much you write. I could never write that much, more or less, right? Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, I think, a little over a year ago. Uh, like I said, it was like the beginning of last summer, um, and now we're in um, August of 2014. So from The Bialy Pimps, one, one novel that you wrote in 1999, to today in a little over a year, how many, how much have you written? <laughs> Um, I, if I, I'd, I'd be sort of taking a guess, but maybe two million words since then. That's sort of a guess. Um, but I wrote an entire six book series um, based on one comment that Dave made on Better Off on <laughs> Then wrote uh, another nine book series with Sean based on a second <laughs> comment that Dave made on Better Off Undead. Um, I'm learning and Sean and I wrote the Beam Robot Proletariat, <laughs> the prequel to Unicorn Western. Uh, nonfiction is fiction for plugged, write, publish, repeat, our comedies, on and on. So um, it's kind of been nuts. And that's funny that you mentioned that because I'm currently working on the draft of our follow-up to write, publish, repeat, which mm-hmm. is the fiction unboxed book. And I was just reliving some of that as we were ramping up because I used to be in that place where so many other people are like, how could you possibly do this stuff that fast and with quality and please your readers all at the same time? And so it's it's fun to think back on that. Yeah, I was I was wondering. I, I keep hearing these stories about writers who have this or who have this kind of. A lot of people hit bottom in some way, right? Uh, I hear this all the time on uh, on Simon's show on Rocking Self Publishing. It's like, oh, I I lost my job and I was broke and I couldn't think of anything to do but write. But you're not. That doesn't seem like you. But did something just snap one day? Did did Sean kind of? hypnotize you or i mean what happened how did you like (laughs) you know what i mean it seemed like it was a switch for you there's a spectrum of something between the two of us i just don't know the three of us i just don't know what it is but dave's on one end sean's on the other and i'm in the middle and (laughs) so sean is um crazy entrepreneur but like to the point where he he was so sick of it that he just wanted to get out of high school and go be an entrepreneur with his flower cart and uh, <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure story. And Dave is the guy who's always, you know, been an artist and wanted to be a writer, um, didn't have the entre- entrepreneurial itch. 
and I'm right in the middle. Like I, I've always been an entrepreneur, but I did finish high school and I started to, I went to college and got a bachelor's degree and I started a PhD and I've, but I've also always wanted to be a writer. And so, um, I have a longer history with history with writing than Sean, not as long as Dave, but it, there was that middle ground before digital self-publishing where you could, you know, upload things yourself where I, I would write and it would go nowhere. Like I, I had to, I pitched agents. I did that thing where I, I, I sent the the first chapter in query letters of the Bialy pimps to, to literary agents. And, um, it just got rejected over and over and then gave up. So that dream was always sort of there for me. I wanted to write, but it wasn't until sort of getting the inside scoop after doing that interview with Sean, who I knew in an entrepreneurial, but not necessarily writing capacity that it made me go, oh, something changed there. Like <laughs> this thing that I've always wanted to do, write fiction, tell stories, not not write nonfiction books and funnel into products and speaking and stuff, but write fiction. That's suddenly viable. I want some of that. And I just, once I start on something, it's like more, 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 more to the point where my wife is going, what about all this stuff that pays the bills right now? Are you giving that up? So I didn't hit bottom, but I definitely saw a path and took it. Yeah. yeah, it's almost the opposite. If a lot of writers say, you know, they had they hit bottom, so they had nothing else to do but write. Um, I think it was a, a very conscious decision for us that we were going to write despite the cost to get there, because we have confidence that you know we're we're good enough that that if we stick with it and we you know we we dig, it'll be awesome on the other side. It, it really yeah, I, is I like, I like very. Oh, sorry, Eric. I didn't. No, go, no, I just. I was just saying. I like that attitude. That's all I was saying. So go ahead, Jenny. Oh, I just wanted to add that I. I think it really. We are really are kind of a super team here because we do hit very different places on that spectrum. I mean, I was kind of half joking about it, but it's totally true. Um, we need our pure artist. We need our pure entrepreneur. We need the guy in the middle, and so I think that we cover a lot of ground this way. Like so the. We we joke about Dave being the curmudgeon, but Dave also keeps us grounded. Like there have been many a times where Sean and I are like, "Yay, let's go do stuff!" And Dave's like, "Well, hold on a second. Have you thought about putting on a parachute before jumping out of that plane?" So uh, it really does make for the Broadway play. Yes, exactly. We'll get there soon. I would sign off on that right of now. You would. <laughs> so uh, so uh, Sean's the ego, Johnny's the id, and. Dave's the super ego, or what? maybe it doesn't. Work I think out. I've got to be the ego. Like, if you're going to pick an ego, it's got to be me, right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. And you guys have, you know, you you've developed over the years this this business and branding structure that I don't think I've seen anybody else do in the indie publishing space. You know, you've got Sterling and Stone and on and within that you have Collective Inkwell and Realm and Sands, right? And maybe other stuff that I don't know that I'm not thinking about. Oh, just right? more, more imprints. <laughs> right. Yeah, so you have we have a total of six right now. Right? Yeah. Okay. And they're all under the same <laughs> umbrella, right? So people can I mean, I like that. I think that's a good idea so that you get the branding within the imprints, but you have the umbrella thing if people want to jump from one to the other. That's yeah, the idea is to make more or less. Right. Yeah, the, right. I, the, the idea is to make the roads really clear. So right now it's not as clear as we want it to be. There's there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. There's there, there have been people who have listened to every single episode of SPP and they still get to Sterling and Stone and, oh, now I'm starting to get it. And there are things mm -hmm. that they've heard us because we talk about everything on the podcast, but not in any logical order. You know, right. we're always talking about whatever's most relevant at that moment. And the the new site really gives us an opportunity to kind of lay that out in in a linear, logical fashion and explain things one at a time uh, and, and really break down component pieces without the overwhelm that just blah, blah, blah conversation and veering in and out of topic gets to now have one anchor spot and say these are the imprints and identities and personalities within right. that anchor spot makes it really, really easy to build logical roads between one and the other. And the worst thing you can do is is confuse a reader and or a potential reader. And you know, we've been very guilty of doing that. So this umbrella site helps us to right those wrongs. 
Yeah, and the uh, I'll I'll put a uh, link in the show notes to I'm looking at it right now to sterlingandstone.net. Uh, but yeah, and vi- you have it laid out visually as well, where you can see the different things you're doing, which is really helpful, right? You can kind of you go there, you see, oh, okay, there are these different things, but they're the same people, which is nice. So I think a lot of uh, writers have do have that problem where they confuse people, or they're afraid of confusing people, you know? Because I know I know I have that. I'm writing a memoir and a, and some fiction right now and a novel, and I keep going back and forth. Should I have a pen name for the one? Should I use the same name for both? What should I, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I think today. I've settled on um, for the nonfiction. It'll be Eric Marshall, PhD, and for the fiction, just Eric, Mar- Eric Marshall. You know, just so I just so there's it's the same name, but you can kind of tell what which one's which. I don't know. I'll change my mind tomorrow, but um, they're, they're both coming out. <laughs> they're both coming out in a, in a couple weeks uh, to maybe a month or so, sometime in September. Or so you know, but with you guys, <clears throat> you finally have figured out a way. Okay, we have all this product, right? And it's some of us the same, and some of us different. And then you found a way to kind of lay it out for people a little bit, which I think um, any all my listeners should go to stillingstone.net and check that out because it's a really interesting way to to brand yourself, you know, and then Yeah, and we'll continue to refine that. Like we'll we'll get better and better. Um, right. at this point the site is maybe ten percent of where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's just we couldn't build perfection um, because it would take too long. You know, we had to get it out and we also had to live with it. And we had to we have to see how people interact with it and what they want. So we're too close to it. We can't just build what's in our heads. We have to build what's in our heads, you know, combined with the the real world reality of how our readers are interacting with that stuff. But the bottom line is we want, we want our readers, our ideal, our ideal reader isn't just interacting with our stories. They're not just consuming them. Our ideal reader um, wants a little bit of us too. And, um, right. and and I think that's what makes this all work is that we really do pour ourselves into every part of our art and we want to share that with, you know, the, the largest number of readers possible, but on an intimate scale, like we want them to feel our presence. Yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. So you're, um, you're you're building fans, right? You're building fans who will who will go with you on the journeys of the different things that you that you write. You know, and I've read a lot of your stuff um, across genres. You know, I think the first thing I read of any of yours was, I think it was Available Darkness um, at the Collective Inkwell side, and then as uh, soon as Johnny finished Fat Vampire, I read that. I read the whole Vamp. Fat- Fat Vampire series, which is exactly what it sounds like, right? Um, I love the title. It's like, oh, okay, Fat Vampire. You now I've read The Beam, and, you know, so you're looking at science fiction and horror and, you know, um, white space. You know, I'll, you know, it's all different stuff. And because I like your writing styles, I will read, you know, a lot of that uh, across genres where if you, if you failed at branding, <laughs> I would only find one strand of it, right? I might only find you know, one of your serials or one, one thing. And, and so you're doing a good job on that level. I think the podcast must help. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'll let Dave take this or Johnny, actually, either one. But. Good. You have thoughts, Dave? Um, I, I'm curious how much crossover there is, uh, mm-hmm. at least for Collective Inkwell. I think m- maybe uh, Realm and Sands has more podcast listeners than Collective Inkwell. Uh, simply because I think they talked a lot more about Roman Sands projects and Collective Inkwell projects uh, because they were trying different things. They were trying mm-hmm. things that were worth talking about on the show, whereas on Collective Inkwell, uh, f- for me, it's sort of a, I won't say a private process, but uh, it, it's not something where I'm like trying something completely different. I'm not melding like uh you know unicorns and a western together. So <laughs> it, it, it's not as much fun to talk about on the podcast, I don't think. Um so I, I think a lot there's probably more realm and sands uh people from the podcast and collective ink. Well I think I don't know. I, I don't really have a line of sight on that. I feel like a lot of the people that we have uh we've had since before the podcast though our our readers our core readers anyway that i hear from but i'm sure there are people that have heard from us uh you know from self-publishing podcasts just as there are people that found us through our 47 north titles so it's i I don't really have a great line of sight on that though (laughs) i think go ahead I'm, i'm sure it's not uh a huge carryover but i think it's more than people think because one of the things that happened after we released 
our self-publishing guide write, publish, repeat, is that we got a lot of comments on other titles. Like Unicorn Western was the one people went to for some reason a lot. <laughs> and they'd say, I found out about these guys from write, publish, repeat, and I read this book and it was cool. And so if there are people saying that, then you know there are more people who aren't bothering to say it. And so I have no idea how big the crossover is, but that sweet spot that we want for, for the ideal fan is somebody like you who says, you know, I, I like these guys. I, right. I, like, I like them. I'll try anything. But the other piece of this, too, is that the further along we get with architecting sort of the Sterling and Stone master brand, be it the site or just what we're doing with it, the more cross-connections there are, so it's not linear. It's not that this leads to this leads to this in every case. It's that they twine back. So as a simple example, we recently decided to split off the comedies, uh, sort of at Dave's goading insistence, but we decided we liked the way Jacob said it better. It was basically the same thing that we said, oh, we like the way Jacob said it better. So we decided to split those off and do another imprint. They're still written by us. We aren't trying to hide them or separate them in any way other than just for clarity. But we said, well, now that we have a comedy imprint, the LOL imprint, Better Off Undead, our podcast, suddenly has a home. And so we know that because it's just kind of a whatever podcast, it's just kind of funny. And there was a short that we originally wrote as a Realm and Sands short called Decoy Wallet, based on, you guessed it, another Dave <laughs> reference. And I was arguing, Dave, I'm like, I think that might be an LOL short. So that now is kind of tied to us at the podcast level and it's tied to us at the short story level. And, you know, people know that, that Realman Sands and Collective Inkwell and um, LOL and whatever else are under the Sterling and Stone umbrella. And now they have one more cross connection between a podcast they may listen to because they listen to SPP. So it's more like a nest rather than like a, a straight line, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. And I would add that I, I do agree with Dave that, Realman Sands most likely has more podcast listeners than CI, but that's just nature of the beast. Like Dave said, we talk, you know, about our stuff a lot. We wrote write, publish, repeat specifically to talk about a lot of that stuff because those are the tangible examples that we could use as this is our practical experience articulated. And but what I really love about that, um, yes, I wish I wish that. Um, you know, we had just tons and tons and tons of fiction fans and that that's what Sterling and Stone was built on. And that is where it's going. But right now we acknowledge that a lot of our core fans are there from SPP. But what I love about that, and mm -hmm. this is really happening, this has happened ever since I'd say late last year, all through Write, Publish, Repeat, and definitely up into Fiction Unboxed, is that the fans that we have who are now reading our fiction, it's like we've earned their respect. Because we're not mm -hmm. just talking about the things that we're talking about and putting it in, in, in a way that's easy to understand and friendly enough to remember. Um, we're also giving them enjoyable stories. And so think about the layers of that. If you hear somebody talking and they're talking about their experience and you're thinking, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And then you go to actually read their story and you dig it. Like that's just a really good place to have that person. And so it's not just that they're just a writer and they're like reading your stories just become, or sorry, just because it's like, you've really made that person a fan, like a true deep fan, because you're hitting them on the left brain and the right brain. You're talking into both of their ears. And, and I think that that's a really special relationship that we're working very hard to nurture. And I'm really proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm in a way I'm most proud of that crossover fan because mm -hmm. it's so, it's such a deep relationship. Yeah, that's that's great. It goes against uh, a lot of common wisdom too, though. A lot of people say, you know, if you're a writer, don't don't talk to writers, right? I don't agree with that advice. Writers. We say that too. I agree with that right, advice. right. I hear that all the time. And but you guys do that to a large extent. But you've got the crossover, right? Because you're creating fans of you as as people, right? As well as, yeah, as writing. Right? I, I you think our volume helps too. I, I think our volume helps too because. Um, when we're putting out this much, um, yeah. these many stories, it's really easy for someone for one story to interest someone, right? So you know they may be tuned out to most of what we hear, and then they think, "All right, fine, I want to read Decoy Wallet." Like, <laughs> I, I was there when the joke was made. That sounds right. funny. I'm gonna go read Decoy Wallet. And once you've 
hook them on one story. You've given them one thing. Well, I want to read yesterday's gone episode one because that's where it all started, you know. And right. and if, if they if, then they go on and they read more. I think that your writing has to be good. Your storytelling has to be good enough to to not just you know hook with the headline, but actually deliver on the promise of that headline and make sure that you give them a rich right. you know experience reading. But but man, if you can do that and you get you made somebody a fan because they're listening to you auditorily and then they're spending their leisure time with you also, that's just the best in the world. And you know, it was it was really exciting this summer when we started building the Sterling and Stone site around that person, because that is our true fan right now. That's that's how we would identify them. You know, when yeah. I when I when we were first coming up writing and I, I saw like writers that said don't talk to other writers. My first instinct on that, uh, surprisingly, was cynical. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't want no. they, they don't want to compete. They don't want more people talking about writing. They don't want uh, they don't want their share of uh, blog readers to fall. Um, but <laughs> I, and, and, and I think there might be some of that competition to it in in some aspects. Uh, not not for me personally. I I what I think is if you're if you're if you're just starting out and you're talking to other writers, you're probably not going to be able to get a large enough audience where the percentage of people that come to you to learn about writing, which is an interest for themselves in getting better, are also interested in getting fiction from you. But I think the more people that you reach, the hot, uh the percentage, even if it stays the same, you'll have more people that are interested in the fiction. So at some point, there is a tipping point, and I think if you can get a large enough audience talking about writing, then you will probably find enough people that are maybe also interested in your fiction. And then you write about writing as well, you know. And I think that I, I, have, I hadn't thought about it just now, but um, of all your books collectively, the one I've probably recommended the most is "Write, Publish, Repeat." And well, like Johnny was saying either earlier, I'm sure that some of the people that I've recommended it to have gone and read your fiction, I imagine, right? Um, that's the one I recommend because I know a lot of people who are writers or who want to be writers or, or whatever. You know, so that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, I feel like I identify like I identify a lot with Johnny just because of his journey because I feel like I am where he was a year ago, you know, a little bit, just kind of like getting that push, getting more and more writing done every day. I'm doing some editing right now, which I, I know you guys, I know, I think Sean, you like, one of you guys like editing. I hate editing. I hate <laughs> Not it. Not me. God, I hate it. Uh, but I'm pushing through, I'm pushing through. Um, and that's, that's where I feel like I am. It's just a matter of getting the product up because, you know, on the one hand, it's, there's no better time to be a writer or a creator in general. You know, we can do the podcast and audio. You know, if you're a musician, you, you can you can. No, do it's a fantastic things, time you know? to be an artist. But and, on the other side, you, you don't have any excuses, right? <laughs> All the excuses you used to have are gone. So if you don't produce, it's on you completely now, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it is an amazing time to be an artist, and and we think that a lot of the stuff that we talk about on SPP, like certainly it works for authors, but artists of any kind, you know, because it really is yeah. the idea of making things that you think are amazing, and then <clears throat> convincing other people that they're amazing, and telling them why, and showing them why, and you know, giving them the aha moment with your work. And um, I think that that works for any artist. It doesn't matter if you paint or write. I think letting a potential, um, you know, person who's going to enjoy your product understand why. Um, I think that's that's what that's the alchemy of where we are right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. So yeah, that's what kind of what kicked me in the butt. You know, I'm trying to avoid that. Um, hitting bottom moment i'm trying to you know i'm spinning my wheels hoping to not hit that so i can so i can get going but uh you know i, I talked to a lot of friends who have uh kind of more traditional mindsets and i'm like this if you want to do it do it right and sometimes it's hard to it's hard, it's hard for people to hear that i think i think there's probably psychological reasons for that um i, I imagine but you can get something out there tomorrow right right yeah yeah yeah, the one area where I think that it hasn't changed quite as much, maybe, is film. 
I think uh, I've written a few screenplays myself. And it's been a while now, but a couple out there. And I think you still kind of have the gatekeepers in film in ways that you don't as much maybe in other in other things. But I think that's you starting absolutely to change do, as well. But that's temporary. I yeah, think that's changing with YouTube. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's absolutely changing. The difference there is, I mean, there's there is a bigger economy there. Yeah. Um, you know, the scale's different. You know, it does not take. Dave and I can sit down and, you know, because we decide Times Square is empty, it's empty. You know, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> right. it, you, you can't, that, that's, that's just, you, the, the entertainment that you can create, there's just no limit to it. Um, and, and that's not true with, with actually shooting something and mm -hmm. it's just not. So um, we have no limits and, you know, we can write unicorns with, you know, special powers and, and that's all fine. Um, but I think that there are ways around that. I think that YouTube is changing things. I think that just all of this is changing things. Just the fact that the people growing up right now, you know, my children started a website yesterday and like I was just entertaining them in the background, but then I went to go check on Haley and I'm like super like impressed with what she's done so far. And it's just really awesome. And I know that, you know, they're learning all of our children are learning, they're growing up in a time when they see, oh, you know, daddy goes in his room, makes stuff out of his brain with, uh, with his friends, and then they all make money. <laughs> like, the, I didn't grow up with that kind of magic, and it's a really cool time to live in, but, but you have to learn how to do it well. Um, and the tools are all there. And I, I don't know, 10 years from now, when these kids who are, you know, eight years old, 10 years old right now, they're tinkering. When they're out there in the world making stuff, it's going to be a cool time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. How old, how old is, are your kids? Um, Ethan is 10 and Haley is 12. Okay, so yeah, we've got this 10-year-old in the house too, and she wants to make a YouTube channel. So it, which we'll, we'll get around to showing her how to do that. But yeah, I have no doubt that it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and she'll get an audience and all that. So yeah, that's, that's true. It wasn't like that when... When we were growing up, kids these days, but uh, it's yeah, no, it's amazing. It really is. But I think even with you know, Amazon has an Amazon Studios where that you can kind of uh, uh, you can share screenplays and people can produce parts of them and stuff like that. I don't know anybody who's actually done that, but it's it's one option to get in on the ground level. You know, I think Amazon's no. at the forefront of a lot of this stuff actually. Yeah, so. we absolutely that's absolutely where we want Sterling and Stone to go. We want to be making our own, you know, visual content as well. Um yeah. but it's just baby steps. You know, we're clearly not ready for that yet, but we absolutely will be someday. And um I'm actually glad that the time isn't quite right because we're not quite ready. <laughs> so and you right. couldn't resist. Right, right. No, I wouldn't be able to <laughs> if that were option if that were an option we'd never see Sean again. Oh, no, I'm gonna go do this. If the Kindle of video was out right now, if that problem was solved, that mass market, easy push button, now I'm, you know, um, I, it would be hard to stay away. Absolutely. Well, it is out there. It's YouTube. Y yeah, delivery. but it's still. Yeah, well, or you mean charging for delivery? Charging for delivery. YouTube isn't, YouTube wouldn't fit our model yet. Like, it, it's not, it's not quite right. Um, but that will be solved. It absolutely will be. And um, I will be ready for it, but it's just not, we're not ready and the world's not ready. So <laughs> did you say Birdemic 2? Is that what you said, Johnny? Yeah, they did. They did direct, to, uh, direct to consumer sale of, uh, of Birdemic 2. I'm they sure it didn't have anything to do with the fact that nobody else wanted it. <laughs> I, uh, I teach film at uh, local colleges here in Michigan, and uh, I, teach, I, I teach a screenwriting class. And in, um, in that class, it, it, I have students who are also doing production. And some of the stuff that they can do just with not quite, quite consumer, but like kind of prosumer level stuff is absolutely amazing. You know, one of the colleges I teach, they have, a, they have the whole um, uh, motion capture thing where they can put the you know, things on them and they do this amazing motion capture stuff. So I think the cost is coming down on production of that stuff, but the distribution's kind of not there. But like you guys said, one step at a time, right? You know? Mm -hmm. um, right. And you're seeing yeah. both of those happen. You're, you're seeing distribution change at the same time production is. It's like chips, yeah. you know, cost goes down and, you know, performance goes up and it's yeah. just, it's a scale and we just have to wait it out. But we've seen it. We've seen it over and over and over and over again. It's not a matter of, of 
if it, it is when. And, yeah. you know, like, well, fortunately, we have tons to do until then. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea of a gatekeeper, right? I, I'm like you guys. I'm, I don't like being told what I can and cannot do and what I can show to people and right and all that. Um, and, it, you know, this is a good time to like the gatekeepers are going away. Right. But I feel like something's been shifting lately. And uh, you guys are, I think, instrumental in this. I think that a couple of years ago, Amazon was seen as the company that was letting people sell more or less directly. They're still a middleman, right? But sell their their product, their writing to a large number of people, keep most of the money, right? Um, unlike in traditional publishing, do it quickly. And they were seen as the people, the, the company that was getting rid of the middleman, getting rid of the gatekeepers. Now, I think a lot of people are beginning to see Amazon as a gatekeeper, or maybe not gatekeeper, but as a middleman that maybe we could do without. Right? Well, I, I don't think... Yeah, I, I think that I mean because there are gatekeepers and everything. I was actually listening yeah. to uh, Jim Jim Kukral was on mm-hmm. uh, Joanna Penn's the Creative Pen podcast recently, and he made a point that I guess I hadn't thought of, but it's totally true in terms of middlemen. Like, you you try to sell your stuff direct, then PayPal is a middleman. Like, yeah. you, the only way to sell something direct is to walk up to somebody and have them hand you cash. Like that's <laughs> right. We need middlemen, and and right. middlemen come with a certain degree of gatekeeping. Uh, it just it just kind of it's it's the truth and my contention on gatekeepers is that the ultimate gatekeeper is 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 the reader anyway if we're talking mm-hmm. about books mm-hmm. it's not true that there aren't any gatekeepers there are actually that's more good, gatekeepers than ever well it's a qualified gatekeeper yeah. it's a it's a um i think that traditional publishing and and by you know necessity of the business model right like they're not evil it's just how the business was you can't publish everything and if you could then it denigrates the quality of any, everything that you did even if it were possible and so um the, the fact that there are going to be some degree of gatekeepers i think is is kind of inevitable and i wouldn't i wouldn't qualify amazon as a, a negative gatekeeper although this recent thing with hashed i think is, has some people going hmm i have a lot of eggs in amazon's basket or they have too right. much control but that that happens with anybody who achieves any level of success or power, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I just I see it was Jim Kukral that made me think of that Joanna Penn um, episode where which I'll, I'll link to in the show notes um, was what, what got me thinking of that because he's got his new book called Go Direct, and you guys are selling direct or you're going to or you're trying to on a subscription model. Yeah, we want to sell everything direct on this on the site. It just makes sense um, because we can As give an additional sales channel, not a right, place. right, right. We're, so your eggs are spread out. Yeah, we want to grow Amazon. Like we want to grow yeah. every channel we're in. We want more sales on Amazon. We want more sales on Kobo. Um, but right now, if I could pick where somebody bought one of our books, a hundred percent of the time, I would pick. Sterling and Stone, because I get to have a better relationship with that person. I get to tell them when another book is coming out. And that's just that's just so much more valuable than um, whatever I would get on Amazon. Amazon is great for discoverability. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the biggest problem with Amazon is that they're like they're they're you can sign up for when a new author has a book out and I've signed <laughs> up for books. I've signed up for authors, including all of us. And I know, I know that we've released a lot of books and I've yet to get a, an update. Oh, yeah. Really? And see, that's the right. I have two. And I know the same thing's true for Johnny and I hear it all the time. And what's, what's damaging about that is that it, it it's the wrong psychological signal. It tells somebody who is, you know, Joe Schmo is is on Amazon, and they've just clicked. You know, they they want the next thing from from Dean Koontz, right? Now they're out of their mind. That okay, I don't have to worry about that because when Dan, Dean Koontz comes out with another book, they're going to tell me, so I don't have to be on his list. And that's damaging to indie authors like us because we need to be able to tell people when we have new books because Dean Koontz is probably going to get that email no matter what. But we're not, right. right? We're not. We have to earn it. And if somebody says, you know what? I like what Dave and Sean do. I think it's awesome. I really want to sign up for the next season of Yesterday's Gone. I want that. And they click it. 
they assume that, you know, when it comes out in October, they're going to get that notification. And when they don't, you know, they don't even know that they're not getting it. And that's the danger. We just fall off their radar. And that's, that's damaging to the indie community, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, I, and yeah, I wasn't implying that people are going away from Amazon, just trying to, to make it one of the many places that you're selling. Right. And then right. keeping that direct relationship. And, you know, when I first started listening to you guys in the self-publishing podcast, it was all about funnels and, uh, and, and, and lead generation and growing your list. And I was like, what is this list? What is this lead generation? And that's what got me thinking of, oh, wait, this is a business, <laughs> right? Because I think I'm more like Dave on that level where I'm like, I want to write. I want to put my stuff out there. You know, I don't want to think about, you know, and then it hit me, you know, you have to have direct communication with the people that, you know, you, that, that you hope will read your stuff. Right. Um, and that's really important. That's why you guys are doing Sterling and Stone, of course. And that's why I've built a list and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But for a long time, I was like, I'm just going to write, I'm going to put it out there. But you know, it's a, it's a business, right. And you want to yeah, get that. You can't plan for lightning to strike, you know, right, and right, I mean, right, you can exactly. hope and you can write your best stuff, but if you're if you're insulated and you're not you, you, there's not strategy behind your artistic endeavors, then you're just it's not that you can't make it because people do you know you yeah. you could make it, but it's a lot harder you know and and it's it's just a lot smarter and easier to to kind of plan out your intentions and chip away at them one at a time. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, Dave. Is the uh it. it in the comics realm, this is one. I read a lot of comics and graphic novels, but I buy them all on paper still. You know, I just read uh, uh, The Wake. You know, it's other stuff that you know. I just still get. Is there is is there a easy and good way to to read comics? Is the comics market changing at all? Whether it's comic books, graphic novels, do you oh, there, have any sense of that? Yeah, well, uh, there's Comicsology and uh, there's uh, Amazon. I think bought them. Uh, yeah, you can you can read comics now on your you know ipad or kindle uh depending on the device you have it's uh it can be a pleasurable experience uh you don't have to worry about it getting all messed up <laughs> is there is there a big well that's my worry right um but is there a big indie community around indie comics now graphic novels uh, stuff like that uh, oh so, yeah there's a and, and i'm not i'm not even really into it right now uh, i was more into i was making comic strips not comic books mm-hmm. which is slightly different right. But there is a, a, a very large indie community in, in both areas, and a lot of people are making money um, selling directly, and uh, they have like Patreon campaigns and stuff like that. So uh, okay. it, it's a great time to be an artist, no matter what <laughs> you're doing. You can find your readers. Yeah, that's good to know. I've, I still, I still, I go to my comic shop. I get them on paper. I get the little, you know, the the monthly so i'm old school about that but i have uh i have an e-ink nook you know i don't have a like a like an ipad or anything like that so i, I like the e-ink a lot so it's well so, you i was just curious anytime soon then. right right that's the problem i don't like reading on my computer screen either because when i'm at my computer screen i want to be writing you know yeah yeah another thing that i find with writers is that um i know I go, you know, you, you always hear quotes about, you know, you hear, oh, so-and-so gets up at five in the morning and writes for two hours. You know, um, this guy writes, like Cory Doctorow writes a thousand words a day. That's it. He stops at a thousand, whether he's in the middle of dialogue or whatever, and every day and he writes a novel a year, right? Um, this guy stays up all night and does this thing. Do you guys ever get mired in these productivity tips? I know you're like, Johnny, you wake up early, right? Uh, I actually changed that. I used to wake okay. up at... 5:45, and um, I recently changed to seven, and so it's not that early. I I am forcing myself to get more sleep, basically. Uh, Dave, do you find 7 a.m. to not be early? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's getting late. Bed. Bed. I'm going to bed around that time. <laughs> I think a lot of people get hung up though on these. Like, there's one right way to do it. It's whatever right. works that, with you and your body. Yeah, that's like yeah. saying there's one right way to live. Like right. it's. There is no right way to do it. Everybody's different. I think the, yeah. I, you know what? There is a right way. And the right way is listening to your body and listening to your habits and, you know, building fences around yourself so that you, you know, you don't fall victim of your worst habits. Because I think that's what murders any writer's initiative is. It makes it easy to, you know, 
check Twitter if you have the Twitter window open. Like, don't have it open then. Like, if you know you're going to check it, then don't open it. Yeah. Get your writing done first. You know, if you if you are much more likely to get writing done first thing because, you know, it gets harder and harder and harder as the day goes on, which is totally true for me. Yeah, I know too. if I write first me thing, too. I get it done. If I put it off and I'm supposed to write something at three o'clock, it's it's probably not happening. And if it, if it if it does, most of it's going to be edited out later because it's just not that good. I don't feel it. And um, and I think that's the one right way is to know that, you know, you are a unique person and you're a little bit damaged and you're a little bit awesome. Right. And so like, work around your damage and, you know, um, accentuate your awesome. I think the trick yeah. is being honest with yourself rather than trying to assume that you're like somebody else. So um, it would be it would be pretty simple for for um, Dave gets up late. You know, like it would be it would be Dave could say, well, Sean and Johnny write early, so I need to write early, and then it would be miserable and it, it'd be terribly <laughs> unproductive, and you wouldn't get anything done. And 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 that's I think the sort of thing that a lot of people do. Whereas I think a more sane way to do it is say, look, I in this case I sleep in. Or, um, you know, the, the Twitter, the email thing and say, look, I know that those are my weaknesses. So I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that they are and and build in contingencies for them. Okay. So yeah, one of the big mistakes people make, too, is that they think, oh, I'll do better tomorrow. I'll have willpower that I've never, ever displayed in <laughs> 30 years of life. But tomorrow's going to be different. Yes. <laughs> right. And then so so you say, I'm going to do this, this, this and this. And. And you and you don't because I mean first of all it the the body, the human being only has finite willpower and it, once we use it up like it's gone so <laughs> you you have to you can't just assume that my mind is so strong that I'm going to be just a juggernaut of productivity tomorrow tomorrow because, is a beautiful blank <laughs> right because right. here's what happens you fall short and then you feel disappointed and you've done a couple of things there. You, you've told yourself that your goals have no value because mm-hmm. we, you know, they're, ah, it's okay. I'll make new goals tomorrow. And, and they haven't, if they have no weight to them, then they're air and, and you can't, you can't build anything on that. And I, I really, really believe strongly um, in the power of acceleration. You know, if you do something every day, you just get good at it and it becomes easier to do. Yeah. And that it's okay to say, um, you know, I, I look, I would love to get X number of words done a week. But if you get Y and it's only half as many, but you do it every week, that's so much better than being able to, you know, well, I got I got my X and I did that two weeks in a row and it was awesome. But then I didn't do anything that third week. I think overall, that's way more stilted and it's very hard to grow that way. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's good advice. I, I was on the thousand words a day thing for a while, and after a while, thousand thousand words, that's nothing. That's easy, right? Um, yeah. But doing it every day is kind of hard, right? And then I'll have a day where like, oh, I have to be out of the house early that day for whatever reason. Well, I just wake up earlier, you know, because I, I don't, I'm not a morning person at all. I like sleeping. I like sleeping in. I like drinking at night, and I like sleeping in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, maybe that's a habit I should stop. But, um, but no, that's the point, though. It's it's okay. Like it, everybody's right. different, right? Like right. for me, logically, a thousand words a day makes so much more sense than thirty five hundred words a day every Saturday and Sunday, no matter what. Like right. I just I think it's easier right. to maintain. But yeah. but there's maybe some guy out there, and and he you know Jack weekends, and that's what he does. Like mm-hmm. he he you know he he's all, Monday through Friday. It's all he does is he's at work. He comes home. It's all he can manage. But Saturday and Sunday, he has the house to himself. You know, mom goes out with the kids, whatever. And he just cranks it. That works for him. And he absolutely should do that. And if somebody else is doing a thousand words a week, that's irrelevant or a day. Exactly. I think the 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 one consistent thing I've seen with with successful writers is they write regularly. No no matter how it is, what it is, they they write and they write often and they don't take long breaks and they don't, you know, Um, some people go in spurts, but you know, but it's it's you do it because it's your job and it's what you do, right? You don't wait for inspiration. You don't, but you don't beat yourself up either. And that's what I do. I beat myself up a lot. I know, like sometimes my girlfriend will come home and we'll be we'll hanging out, and I'm in a bad mood, and she'll say, "You didn't write today, did you?" 
And I'm like, how did you know that? <laughs> right? She's like, you're in a terrible mood. You better wake up tomorrow and you better write, you know, because the days I write, I feel better. You know, I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do. And I just force myself to do it. I'm like you, Sean. If I, if I don't get it done by maybe mid-morning. It's not happening. Yeah, once the afternoon rolls around, you're, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I know that about myself now. And, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest advice, I think, for writers is, is know yourself, right? Yeah, know what you also have to be able to redirect, right? So, like, I do miss writing. I yeah. do miss – I miss that. And I'm not writing very much right now. But I'm actually totally okay with that because um, I, I feel like, okay, I'm still creating. You know, the Sterling and Stone site is being built. And so I have to tell myself that the, the joy that I get from writing is, is being fulfilled by this other thing where I'm still creating something from nothing. It's just a different kind of story. And I think that if, if you, have to, you have to ask yourself what the actual practice of writing, what need in yourself is that addressing? And if you can't address it immediately with writing, mm-hmm. then find a, you know, a, a companion salve. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. I don't know if I'm going to write two million words in the next year, Johnny, but <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to get maybe a quarter of that done. Ah, <laughs> uh, like slacker. I know, <laughs> I'm a total slacker. It's okay. You make me feel feel bad, but yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. Um, I really thank you guys for your time. I did not expect to get all three of you at the same time, <laughs> and I'm really glad that I did. I'm glad you guys all decided, agreed to do this. Um, <laughs> You know, Dave and I, I uh, are comfortable being alone together, so I had to come to mediate. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, Dave, uh, one thing I've learned by doing this so far, like I said, you're my fourth interview you guys are easy because i feel like i know you because i hear you every week and you don't know me but you know that's fine but um but i found that interviewing is it's a skill you have to learn <laughs> like the first couple that i did i was just i, I yeah so I, I do a lot more research and it's been it's been a little difficult i know dave well you are a newspaper journalist right at reporter. some point a reporter yeah so you you know how that is but um you guys made it really easy and i appreciate that and uh as far as my listeners go you guys should check out self-publishing podcast if you're really bored check out better off undead no, i guess please right. don't that's a bad idea <laughs> yeah. a terrible idea you know <laughs> do not listen to better fun uh, better off undead is that better is that there you go. Yeah. um it's these guys to uh two podcasts and um and check out sterling and stone dot net and i'll put links in the show notes i know you guys are pressed for time and i have an appointment as well but thank you so much uh thank for you. coming on again i appreciate it thanks a lot pleasure. all right thanks sir great to meet you Peace out all. All right, same here. See you guys later. All right, bye-bye. As a special bonus for sticking around past the uh, closing music, here's some uh, here's some takeouts from the towards the beginning of the of the interview. <laughs> Enjoy. See you next week. It's funny you say that because I've done. Uh, you'll be my. This is my fourth interview. I've done three before this, but I haven't released any of them yet because the idea was to stockpile them because I know I get really busy during the school year. So I was going to stockpile and release them a week at a time, and. Um, um, I was thinking to myself today, like for all the people I'm interviewing, no, I just might just be talking to them on Google Hangouts and never release it. <laughs> you know? I might, I might not even have a podcast because I haven't That's released any yet. So, yeah, we're right. <laughs> or we might all wind up missing and end up in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. Yeah, too. The only time these are ever going to be seen as evidence. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. I shouldn't have hit the start broadcast then, right? I don't I don't want evidence. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, you know what they say about serial killers. They all no, really no, want no. to be caught. <laughs> My, uh, I, I didn't I, okay, no. That's still that's what I was gonna say. So speaking of consistent with a brand, my other podcast we curse like crazy. On this one I decided to do the whole like you can listen to this in the car with kids thing, even though it goes Wait, against my nature and I have a son. <laughs>
Hey, you're you're welcome to come on the film podcast as well. <laughs> I could, uh, if you have topics you want to talk about, we're uh, we're pretty. Um, we want to talk about swearing in podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So like, it hasn't been a problem so far because the other people I've interviewed have been academics and they're kind of used to that. But like, for me, I have to I have to censor myself though because I swear like a sailor. So if so, if we slip up, I'll edit that. But and I don't even know why I'm doing that. I think it's just because I want to get the clean tag on iTunes for why I don't know. But oh, that makes sense. Yeah. To yeah. after the Puritans, I understand. Yeah, right, right. You know, I know when I'm, uh, you know, I listen to um, a lot of. I listen to you guys. I listen to um, Rocking Self Publishing. Um, I listen to a couple of the, the the Sell Better Books, Sell More Book Show with uh, Jim Kukrell. and um, I. Uh, I've taken the I've taken on the responsibility over the summer of of hanging out with my girlfriend's ten year old, okay, for the summer because I don't have a I don't do anything in the summer um, except you know nothing, nothing that I have to be out of the home for because I I'm a teacher so uh, now when I get in the car with her I have to decide do I listen to SPP or do I listen I have to listen to Simon's show oh. when I'm with her and save you guys for when I'm alone. <laughs> Right, so, <laughs> so we're like your dirty yeah. secret. Yeah, <laughs> so um, so that, I guess SPP. that's the It's like porn. <laughs> it's like porn. I have actually, you know, I have actually considered that because I listen to porn. other, uh, yes, other porn. <laughs> I listen to other tech tech podcasts and stuff like that, or I watch like video game stuff on YouTube, like while I'm working. And sometimes my son will come into the office and just want to be near me, and. Then I have to like, oh damn, is this a show that curses or not? And right. it, it, it's, it, I, I do see a place for uh, shows that don't curse that you can listen to, you know, without having to worry about your child being nearby. So, yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm not against clean stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it goes against all of our natures. So. Kids ruin everything. <laughs> I know, I know. That's just what I'm learning. You know, <laughs> you know. I'm, you got the calendar up. Eight more years. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. She's in the other room. But um, <laughs> hey, uh, I should have you guys. <laughs> I should have you guys introduce yourselves. I suppose. All right. Um, uh, I'm, for I'm me, Sean left Pat. to right, I got Dave first. So Dave. Okay. So sorry. Uh, before we begin, Eric, I'm or a little <laughs> disoriented. So was that in the podcast, or is the podcast starting now, or is there? Let's start now, although I could put that in. Maybe I'll add that in and put it in later, you know, but uh, just so.